Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. We are rolling for another edition of Growing in Grace. Uh, you'll find past archive programs at growingandgrace.org. I'm Mike, along with Joel. Part seven of our Woo. podcast series, Why Jesus Taught Two Covenants. So if you hear something that just doesn't seem to set right with you, that's not an exclusive club. Yeah, too <laughs> no, too bad. Kidding. It means you're blind and you'll never be able to see anyway. And get in line. Um, <laughs> the first shall be last. Um, but uh, seriously, I would recommend if, if you hear something, maybe just go back uh, six or seven podcasts <laughs> and get caught up with us because there's some good foundation being laid there. And in, in some ways, Joel, we're even though we're, we're into some of what Jesus was teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, uh, we've been on this for a couple of weeks now. There's some foundation even to be laid here before we can kind of start moving through some things a little bit faster and provide more instances throughout different books in the Gospels of Jesus teaching some things from two different perspectives, two different covenants, one that belonged to Israel, the old, and one that would allow all of us to uh, come into the new covenant where Gentiles would be invited in as well. And we, who are not born as Jewish people, we're outside of that race. We are identified as Gentiles. And I think we're going to see as we move along here that this is not a sermon. This is not a teaching for those of us outside of the Jewish race. It was for Israel. It was for those Hebrew people who were in that covenant with God that came through Moses way back on Mount Sinai. And, and Jesus, so this is not a new Christian teaching that we're about to go through. This is not something that was directly meant for you and I. Can we learn from it? Absolutely. We don't diminish or minimize anything that Jesus said. In fact, I think you'll find it's the legalists, the, the people who want to water down grace, who will sometimes shrug off some things that Jesus said. So I think we can start trying to get into all of this, eh, Joel, eh? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the people that we're being talked to. I've been to, I don't know if this is a good example or not, but my, my daughter has celiac disease. She can't eat gluten, and she has a celiac support group that she's a part of. Now, if a person were to come off the street into, into one of these celiac support group meetings and not know what it was about, and here you can only eat this, or you, you can't eat this, but you can only eat this type of food, but if, if it has this ingredient in it, you're going to have all kinds of problems. And that person might go away thinking, man, that's all I can eat as a human being? Well, no, it's not all of humanity that that support group is for. It's for those who have celiac disease, who have problems with gluten. And in a way, that's what Jesus was doing here in the Sermon on the Mount. He knew what he was doing. The hearers of what he said knew who they were. They knew that they were Israel, the people of Israel. They knew that Jesus was talking to them regarding that covenant. There wasn't another covenant yet. The new covenant hadn't come. It had been foretold. They knew that a new covenant was coming, but these words of Jesus in, in the Sermon on the Mount, they knew that he was talking Old Covenant talk with them and that it wasn't for anybody else. Now, in this day and age, 
we open up our Bibles, as I've said many times on this podcast, we open up our Bibles and we think that everything that's said in the Bible is written for us. We're supposed to follow everything that's written in the Bible. We don't realize that this was spoken to a specific group who were under that covenant for that purpose, for the purpose that that covenant was given. And so we need to understand that when we start reading the words of Jesus so that we know who his audience was and why he was speaking the things that he did. And then it makes it easier to understand this isn't for us, whether it's us as Gentiles, that is non-Jewish people, or Christians. Because like you were saying last week, Cap, a lot of times people think that the Gentile. We're, we're Christians, and then anyone who doesn't believe and who's out there living ungodly lives, they're the Gentiles, those evil heathen people. But that's not that wasn't the definition of, of Gentile. A Gentile was anybody who's not a Jew. And so this teaching here was specifically for those who were under this covenant, the Jews. Gentiles were on the outside. They were far off. They weren't included in this. So these things that Jesus says here couldn't have been for them. Something you brought up uh, while we were in between recording programs, uh, honestly, there were a lot of people following Jesus, and, and some of them were not necessarily Jewish. You know, just lots of people were, were flocking around this guy. I mean, the reputation, the miracles, all of these things that were going on out there. But when we got to this place known where the, the Sermon on the Mount took place, there were all these crowds, and Jesus got away from some of those. But even with those Gentile people and Jewish people and everybody else following him, Jesus came first to minister to Israel, uh, number one. Number two, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, Matthew 5, 1, and he sat down, and his disciples came to him. So they departed from the throng that was following. They maybe stayed at the base of the mountain camping out or whatever. And then Jesus, we don't know how many, whether it was dozens or, or even hundreds at this time, known as disciples, uh, some of those disciples would eventually stop following. But, but this is the ministry that's going on here. Jesus is speaking to a smaller crowd than those that were actually following him down below. And he's speaking to his uh, Jewish disciples here. Yeah, that's ever so important to understand who it was that he was talking to. And so when he says, like I think we left off last week in Matthew well, 17, uh, we talked about how he didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets, but he fulfilled them. And so he, he goes on to say, um, whoever breaks the, the one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, just think of one such Pharisee in particular, Paul, who uh, last week I, I talked about how um, he thought about what here's what he thought about his righteousness according to the law. Uh, he had thought, "Wow, I'm pretty darn good at this righteousness thing." And so you have to, you know, as good as Paul was, your righteousness has to be even better than that. If it's going to be about your righteousness, otherwise you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. That's like we were saying again last week. Um, that's not good news. Uh, that's bad news, because if you're listening to this and if you're thinking, all right, I've been I've been under the law all these years. And now you're saying that. There's this group of people, the scribes and the Pharisees, their standards are pretty high, 
And if I don't exceed their righteousness, so what in the world am I going to do? I think right there that was enough to be a mouth-stopping teaching, for some people at least, to make them stop and think, you know what, I'm not as righteous as I think I am. And so that's part of what this Sermon on the Mount was to do. It was to stop mouths, like the purpose of the law was, to shut mouths. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And hopefully, you know, there were some people who would have uh, gotten something out of that. Yeah, I mean, these people were already struggling with the law thing. We, we found out from before, Paul said, there's never been a doer of the law. Some of these people were trying to figure out how they could, how they could do it. And Jesus throws this bomb on them and says, oh, well, first of all, your righteousness will have to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, who they probably consider to be the pinnacle of righteousness. Uh, otherwise, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven if you don't exceed what they're doing. So right away, the first word of discouragement uh, already took place. And, and referring back to the uh, Matthew 5.19, whoever, I'm using the ESV here, Joel, whoever mm -hmm. relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Well, this isn't directed at us. How do we know this? Because of the revelation of new covenant scriptures. Do you remember when, when Paul, I mean, we already know there's never been a doer of the law, right? And, and we know uh, from all of our past podcasts and the things that we covered that the, the law brought sin, it brought death, it brought condemnation. Um, those are not good things, right? That's what it was. So why would we want to teach that? When Paul said, there are those, and, and he chided people for this, he, he scolded them for those who, who desired to be teachers of the law, not knowing what they were talking about. Remember when Paul said that? So that seems to contradict what Jesus just said. It's really not a contradiction. It's just Jesus talking first covenant, old covenant stuff with Jewish people here, and Paul enlightening us uh, in his writings about what took place with the, the sacrifice and resurrection and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that we're no longer under the law. We're dead to it. That's all good news. Um, so and some, some people will say, yeah, Jesus said that we're supposed to teach the law. We're supposed to do the law and teach it. Um, but I seldom see a seminary instructing pastors on how to perform animal sacrifices, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? I mm -hmm. mean, uh, not to mention hundreds of other commands and statutes that get overlooked by the ministry today in Christianity. So, I mean, because which commandments, here's a question for you, which commandments do you think Jesus was referencing here when he said that you're supposed to be teaching all of it? Which ones? Uh, I recommend you put away the short list from your church statement because it had to be the entire law package of all 613 commands beginning with the least of them. Why do we know that? Well, we're about to get into this, but we, we know Jesus isn't teaching something brand new here. He's not changing the law. He's not switching up the rules. The reason we know this is because God himself said in Deuteronomy chapter 4, nothing shall be added to or taken away from the law. So Jesus would have been violating his own word, really, to come around and try to change the rules. He couldn't do that. He couldn't do it. So we know that he's not changing the rules. He's ministering the original law, but he's going to bring it about in such a way that people will begin to see it in a way they've never seen it before. It appears he's raising the bar, Joel, but he's only raising it in, in the minds of the people who are listening to him. In, in reality, 
what he's doing here is 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 magnifying the law so that they can really understand what it what it's going to take. He's giving them the unrelaxed version, right? And you know, because I, I've I've heard people say it. Someone even said this to me recently on on a Facebook post. The old covenant said, and, and it's because here in uh, in Matthew um, Matthew five, uh, as we'll probably get into this stuff next week. But this person was using the the sermon on the mount with me. The old covenant said, "You shall not commit adultery." The new covenant says that if you look at someone with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. And he said, "The old covenant said you shall not murder," but the new covenant says. Uh, whoever hates who, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And I had to point out to him that's not old covenant versus new covenant. That's all old covenant. It's like you were saying the old covenant, the actual law said you shall not commit adultery. Jesus couldn't add to or take away from the law because God said you can't do that. Just like you were saying there. Jesus didn't do that. What he was doing, and in my own words, was he was putting a magnifying glass on what the law said and, and exposing the true intent of the law. And like you were saying, elevating it, not changing it, but just putting a magnifying glass on it. And so we'll get into some of that next week here on Growing a Grace. Jesus said things in the Sermon on the Mount like, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye if it causes you to sin. Did he mean what he said? Of course he meant what he said. We'll talk about that next week as we continue the series on why Jesus taught two covenants right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.